Hi, and welcome to the Young Adults Ministry podcast of Influence Church, where we believe in creating an environment where young adults can find their place to serve in, discover their people to belong to, and work to fulfill their purpose in Christ. We're so grateful you've joined us as we know God has a unique and specific word for you wherever you are in life. We pray that this message impacts your life the way he intended. God bless you. Ah, oh, guys, how are you guys doing tonight? Great, great, wonderful, wonderful. I just want to get this a little taller. I mean, I'm 5'6", and so this is probably for someone... Thank you. Oh, that's great. Perfect. Thank you. Look at, thank you for Pastor Drew. He's such a great servant. Come on. Love it. Love it. Anyways, um, before we jump into it, I just need to introduce myself a little bit. My name's Christian Santiago. I am a Puerto Rican, Dominican, very passionate guy. Grew up, born and raised in Orlando, Florida, and married to this amazing woman right here, Chantel. Let's actually pull up this picture. Right here. Do you got? Do you have it? Oh yes. Look at look look. I show you this picture for a couple of reasons. First, if you want to know if God is real or not, look at her and look at me. God is real. Okay, only God could do that. Okay. Second, um, I show you that picture too. Um, if you want to know that if God has good things for you, like His goodness, you're questioning His goodness. Look at her and look at me. Okay, God has good things for you. Okay. <laughs> He has good things set up for you. But yeah, but met my wife on a missions trip. You know, one day we'll, we'll share, share our uh, story on that. We met on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Within two days, we knew where it was going. And um, we're not going to spoil the rest of it because that's not even the craziest confirmation. Um, some of you guys are like, two days? Whoa. Um, yes. And then within nine months, we were married. So it's great. Um, but we're on three and a half years married. So look, you all think that nine months from first meet to marriage is too fast, look, it, wor- it can work out. It's working. It's working for us, right, baby? It's working? Okay, you better say that loud. Come on now. <laughs> I'm over here. Before we jump into what we actually want to talk about, let's go into our scripture for what we're actually going to be going through today. So today we're going to be in 1 Kings 19, verses 19 to 21. And so when you're there, you know, if anything, pull out your your Bibles. If you have a physical one, if you charged your Bible today, um, you can also pull that out. And when you're there, 1 Kings 19, verse 19, you can say something to me. You can say, we're there. You can say, amen. When I, in, in Spanish churches, Latino churches, we say it with a G at the end, amen. Anyways, um, some of y'all knew that. But when you're there, I'm, I'm going to start reading it, and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to pray, and we're going to jump into it. So he, he's referring to Elijah. So Elijah departed from there, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became a servant. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much 
I thank you so much that even on a Thursday night, Lord, even if we're gathered here and there's not as many people, God, regardless whether it's a, a big crowd or a small crowd, you're still here. So I thank you because you are here to touch and speak to our hearts. We don't have to do anything grand. We don't have to do anything special to get your attention. We already have it. So speak to us. We open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last Wednesday, I was actually coming here to meet some of the youth leaders to share a leadership principle. And so Pastor Natalie, who's one of the youth pastors, who's also with Drew doing youth, she asked me to come. And I was sitting there and right before she called me up, she was like, hey guys, it's two months until the end of the decade. I was like, in, in my head, like the leadership principle that I was supposed to share quickly came out of my mind. And I was like, it's the end of the decade. Like it's not just the end of the year, Okay, that's good. We have our New Year's resolutions, but it's the end of the decade. I remember, and, and it's crazy that this, today I'm actually having the opportunity to share. It's because today, this week is actually my 10th year of saying yes to Jesus. Wow, awesome. 10 years ago, 10 years ago, this week, I said yes to him 10 years ago crazy yes praise god praise god amen but it really came in my mind what a decade can do they say we oftentimes overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years we overestimate what we can do in a short period of time but we underestimate the impact we can have in a decade and so it's crazy that 10 years ago i said yes and here's a picture of me that's, I, I know what you're thinking. Um, that wasn't me 10 years ago. Okay, I just want to first clear that up, okay? <laughs> you're probably thinking, oh, um, you look seven there. You're 17 now. You're three and a half years married. How does that work? Anyways, no, um, that wasn't me 10 years ago. It wasn't, but it's still a representation of how I was 10 years ago. I always, you see that big smile? First off, I'm a little, I'm a little biased. I was the cutest kid you ever see. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'll be objective here, okay? Anyways, but, but huge smile, big dreams, big heart, man, but my surroundings didn't have the capacity to hold that. You see, I didn't grow up in Orange County. I grew up, the end of my teenage years, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, but most of it, I grew up in Polk County, Florida, where there's a lot of um, infested with gangs, it's not high income. Like my family, we were so financially instable, like, like there was so much instability that I went to four different high schools all four years. W one year after another, after another, after another. There's some of us that are in the, in the room that maybe have been in the house for decades. We're used to being in one house. I'm used to moving and going. And so where I was even 10 years ago, even my childhood, I would have never thought I would be here. I would have never thought that. I would have never thought it would be the norm to see Teslas driving around. I really want one, <laughs> a red Tesla Model 3. Anyways, praise God if y'all got one. Anyways, but, but I would have never thought that. 
But I remember 10 years ago, I was in a cycle, a cycle. And I didn't actually say yes to Jesus in a church service. I say yes to him in my bedroom. And so I remember I was laying my head on my pillow and I said, you know what? I want to be different. And he knew, God knew, that when I said I want to be different, I wasn't just saying I want to be different from who I was, you know, yesterday or the day, day before. I actually wanted to also be different from other people who proclaimed to be a faith, but unless they didn't take it fully, didn't go all the way. And so since then, I said yes to him 10 years ago. And then after that, I was like, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to master the word yes every day. And so I chose to say yes every day. Chose to say yes to now where I am 10 years later. I'm married to the most beautiful woman I've ever laid my eyes on every single day. Um, I'm in Orange County. I would have never expected to be here. Like, I will tell you right now, I would have never expected to be here. I would have never expected to get out of my environment. I mean, all my family lives within like five miles of each other. And so I'm on the, the other coastline. And so I would have never thought I would be in a place where I am today. All because I said yes. You see, God can do more with a yes than with anything else. And so it's been 10 years. What God can do in a decade the question that we have for you is, who are you going to be 10 years from now, the next 10 years? You may look back 10 years ago, because when, when Pastor Natalie asked that, like said that, oh, we are, we are going to the end of the decade. It actually made me do two things. It made me look back. Man, wow, God, I'm so grateful. Like Dave, King David even said, who am I, O Lord God, and why have you taken me this far? He says that. He asked God that question. And then it also, so on one side, I'm looking back. The next side, I'm looking forward. Who can I become? And so I ask you that question today, and that actually sparked a thing in our hearts. I was talking with Pastor Nate. I believe 100% that this decade, what you sow in right now and what you reap 10 years from now is ultimately going to be what you've made your decisions today and as the next coming weeks. Because the end, the rest of this year, we want to prepare ourselves for what the next 10 years are going to look like for us. For you personally, and then for us corporately too. Because we work hand in hand. We cannot, Jesus said, for those who want to be out in the crowd and be seen, they need to be in private. For those who want to be in private, they need to be in community. And so we need a both and. We need an individual and a communal vision for us together. And so, um, that's what sparked it. Um, but before we can actually jump into what we're going to do, because a lot of things, I would tell you first off, I, when I think of who can I be in 10 years, I'm more likely thinking of what I can do, what can I have. I mean, you heard me mention the red Tesla. I, I, in 10 years, I'm having a red Tesla. Y'all hearing it right now. Okay. You're like declaring. I'm saying I want it tomorrow. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, hey, come on. Uh, but, but we can't talk about what we're going to do or what we're going to have before we're talking about who we're going to become. Why? Because identity always precedes activity. 
Identity always precedes activity. The things you do in the public world can never, ever, ever be isolated from who you are on the inside. We ever, whenever we break down on the outside, whether we have a panic attack, whether we have an anger outburst, whenever we have something that occurs on the outside is because our inner world has crumbled first. Our inner world has crumbled first. And so we need to talk about who we're going to become. And so, um, anyways, the last thing before we jump into the actual text and break it down, the reason why we're talking about who we're going to become is because we are human beings, not human doings. We are human beings, not human doings. Before we can ever do, we have to learn to be. Before we can ever work with our hands, God has to work on our hearts. And so we need to start inner before we go outer. And so if you have your Bibles or you have your phones, we're going to jump back into that text. First Kings chapter 19. And for us to be able to answer this question with conviction, who do we want to become in the next 10 years? There are three things we can glean from the text and actually apply to our lives. And then what we're going to do, we actually have um, some papers that literally ask the question, who do you want to become? By 2029, and then we leave a blank. And we're going to let you fill in the answers, fill in the blanks. Who are you going to become? And so... We're going to read it. So there are three things that God really wants us to do to be able to answer this with confidence and conviction. All right, so let's jump, into, let's jump into it right away. So verse 19, if you have it up on the screen. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. Then Elisha passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And so, in this scene right here, in this moment, Elijah the prophet, he just came from having a, a conversation with God where he was literally in a cave and he was like, God, I want you to kill me. And God's like, no, I want you to go to the edge of the cave and I'm going to speak to you. And God ends up speaking to him, not in fire, not in an earthquake, not in a tornado or a whirlwind. He speaks to him in a whisper. And he tells him, you think you're alone, but you're not. There are other people I've set aside. And so I want you to go meet them. And so he's on his way there. And this is where he comes across Elisha, plowing oxen, going through it. He has 12. It says that there are 12 before him. So in other words, he was managing that. In other words, he actually, his family had a, a basically a business running. Their, their plow, their, their oxen was their income. And so he was actually running his family's business. He was actually helping that. And Elijah comes along and throws his mantle on him. And then all of a sudden, so Elisha's plowing. He throws the mantle and he's like, and he's trying to follow Elisha. All of a sudden, he just knows that when the mantle's thrown on him, he's got to stop what he's doing, whatever it is, whatever it is. But the first thing we must do in order to answer that is to do what happened in this text. We need to realize that it's never too early or too late to decide to say yes to who God has called you to be. The reason why we say that is this. In verse 19, it says that he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. In other words, he was running his family's business. And in that culture, the parents would pass on things to their sons. 
And so they would take it, and then they would pass it on, and they would take it, and it would be a complete cycle. So in other words, Elisha, his, his day really looked like wake up, prepare the oxen and the equipment, plow the field, go home, go to sleep, then wake up, do it again, and it would be a cycle all over again. That's actually a reflection of some of our lives. You know, we have home, then we go to work or school, then we go to church, then we come back home. Then we go to work or school, then we go to church, then we come back home. And then we are going in a cycle, just like Elisha was. And the thing is, he accepted it. He accepted the cycle he was in. And it was the thing over and over and over again. And he accepted it. And you know what Elisha came in? I mean, Elijah came in, he came in, and when he threw that mantle, it was actually him breaking the cycle. It was him breaking the cycle. See, some of us in this room, and I was praying earlier, um, some of us are in a cycle of low self-esteem. We wake up, the thoughts come in our head, we fight for it a little bit, we fight against it a little bit, then we get weak and we accept it, and then it tears us down, but then hopefully a good night's sleep will make it go away. And then we wake up the next morning, but because the battle the day before was kind of, we kind of failed at it a little bit, the thoughts come right back because they will come right back. And then we try to fight it again, and then we fall. And then we don't have as much strength. And then we go to sleep again. Hopefully another night's rest will help that. And then we're in a cycle over and over again. I want you to know that Elisha is a picture that, of today. God actually wants to break your cycle that you're in today. He wants to break your cycle because the next 10 years of your life are going to be so powerful. But it's only to the degree that you say yes. It's only to the degree that you're willing to actually step out of that cycle and say yes to his invitation. You see, he could have came in and he threw the mantle and he could have shook it off. He didn't have to get off the oxen. They were already moving. They were already going. He stopped when the cycle was going. The cycle was still moving, and he still chose to step off of that. And so, we have to be willing to make a decision in our hearts that is never too early, or it's not too late to decide to say yes to being who God has called you to be. These next 10 years, it's not too early, and it's not too late. You may feel like you lost some time, but guess what? God is the maker of time and he stands outside of time. And so regardless, if you put your hands in the ones who holds time in his hands, guess what? He'll accelerate you. All the time you feel like you lost because of mistakes, because of things that you know you should have done, or maybe the things that you began to believe. God can switch that. All it takes is a moment. Never underestimate an encounter. One encounter. One encounter changed Elisha's destiny. It broke him out of the cycle. And he accepted that cycle. He accepted it. So even if you don't believe that God wants to do great things with you, even if you believe the cycle that you're in, it can still be broken. It can still be broken. That shows us that. Second thing is, number two, you must be specific on who you're going to become. The reason why I said you must be specific, it's so easy to be like, well, you know, God's the one who chooses who I'm supposed to become. I 100% believe that. But you know who dictates whether you find that or not? Your hunger. 
If you don't chase after the heart of God and you don't care about being as specific and finding out what God's thoughts are about you, you won't find them. If you are okay with just settling for just being a, a, a nice person, having good church attendance and having a good personality and that's it, you won't venture into the heart of God to find out the specificity of what he wants to call you to and who he wants you to become. The reason how we know this is that in verse 19, if we pull up 19 again, you can actually look. It says that Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. This is a big deal. Um, when David was chosen to be king, when Saul was chosen to be king, something specific was put on them. A ram's horn was broken and the oil was on him. So they were anointed for something specific. In other words, they were chosen for something specific. Jesus, when his calling to deliverance, to bring deliverance to the world, when he came out of the baptism, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called the anointed one. So when Elisha was chosen to walk in a prophetic calling, and this wasn't just a prophetic purpose, but it was actually an identity because you can't have function without form. And so he was given a mantle. Those who were called to be kings, ram's horns were bro broken on them. The prophets, something different. So it's very specific. And it's also extra specific because this was Elijah's personal mantle. It wasn't just Elijah saying, I want you to just be someone who hears from God and can tell people. And you're just going to be a regular person, a regular prophet, a normal one who does that. He's literally saying, you are going to walk in my footsteps. You're going to follow me so closely, you can feel the dust off my feet. And you're going to follow my example. And so it's very specific because not everyone was called to follow Elijah in his exact footsteps. And so you need to know, God has a specific picture of you in mind, of who you're going to be 10 years from now. He has a specific picture in mind. How hungry are you to see that? How hungry are you to see that? Because whether you see that or not, is not on God, because God has it there. I had to make that choice. I remember, um, in college, it was my sophomore year, and every day I tried to make a decision. Every day I would schedule an hour of prayer time, and I would actually go into a library because I live with people in a dorm, and, you know, living in a dorm, we act crazy, we have fun, it's great, but probably isn't a good place to pray. You know, I'm trying to find a quiet place, you know, people yelling down the halls, and literally I'm like, okay, I need to find a place. Oh, great, I'll rent out a study room in the library. So every, every day I was in there and the people were to walk by, they would be like, what is that guy? And then he would sing it on the top of your lungs. I remember someone literally knocked on the door, be like, I know you're trying to um, worship God, but I, I have an exam in 30 minutes. And so I need you to stop singing. <laughs> I was literally singing at the top of my lungs in these study rooms. But I remember one day I was asking God, God, how do you see me? Because it doesn't matter how I see myself. Because how I see myself is limited. How I see myself is a flawed filter. Honestly, it really is. How other people see me is still a flawed filter. It really is, regardless of whether they have the purest intentions or not. That is why Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And then when, when 
Peter said the right thing. You are the Christ, Son of God. He said, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This is revealed to you by God. In other words, you didn't just find that on your own. God told you that. And so I had to ask God, God, how do you see me? Because that's a big deal. How do you see me? And I remember he whispered to me. He said, Christian, I see you like how I see King David. You are a leader, not one that people have to follow, but that people want to follow. And that was, I tell you what, that really changed my life because I was struggling with a lot of insecurity of being a leader. I was in a position in my university where I was leading people who were, I was a sophomore and I was leading seniors who are already in student leadership at my university for about three years, four years already. You know, some of them were super seniors and they were still doing that. Anyways, um, I don't know how leadership and grades work, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, if they got bad grades, why are they leaders? Anyways, um, they should have graduated on time. But I remember when God spoke that to me, it changed me. And what was crazy too is four days later, I went to actually visit my older, my old church in Orlando that weekend. And it was the time where in the History Channel, the Bible series was happening. How I many of you guys remember that? The Bible series, they had all that. And so the, my youth pastor's wife saw me and she was like, oh, Christian. Oh, man, I was thinking about you the other day. I was like, yeah, why? What's up? She said, Do you, have you seen the latest episode of the Bible Channel? And I was like, no. Like, no, I haven't. Why was it? She said, oh, it was the episode of when David defeated Goliath. And I remember when they showed David and his curly hair and how young he looked. I remember whispering to my husband, JJ, that reminds me of Christian. Four days later, after the Lord told me, I see you like how I see King David. She was like, yeah, when I saw that, you reminded me of him. I was like, no, you don't even know, girl. <laughs> Anyways, you need God's, God's voice of how he sees you. You have to make the decision how specific you're going to be. He got that mantle. He knew exactly, like, like, it was very specific what that mantle meant. It wasn't just anything. It wasn't just anything. And so the third thing, the last thing, um, and as I talk about the last thing, I would love for um, just one voice in the guitar to come up. Um, and then, my love, could you pass that out? So um, Chantel is going to, yeah, I call her my love, by the way. Some people tell me she's so Shakespearean. I'm okay with that. Anyways, um, she's going to pass around a paper. And what, what I want you to do, don't fill out the paper. Don't write it out yet. Don't write it out yet. But it's answering the question, who do you want to become? And this is 10 years from now. Don't think about the great things you're supposed to do or you feel like you need to do. Don't think about the things you're lacking as far as what you're going to have or what you don't have right now, and so therefore you want to strive towards that, think about who you're going to become, who you're supposed to be. But don't write it yet, because we still are in our, actually our most important point. I don't want you to write it yet, only because you see this last point, and I want you to take your time on it. And so the first thing, number one, Oh, well, you already put it up. Okay, so third, 
you must not leave room for alternatives. In other words, there shouldn't be no plan Bs. If you're gonna write this down and you're gonna actually, we're gonna take some time and I, we, we're gonna pray on your own and you're gonna ask God, God, who do you want me to become 10 years from now? What kind of man or woman do you want me to become? And I want you to actually take that time but you can't leave room for alternatives. There are no plan Bs with this. If you're gonna write this down and you're actually gonna go after it, make sure there are no alternatives because Elisha made sure. If we look at verse 21, if we look at verse 21, it says this. So Elisha turned back and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elisha and became his servants. He started to follow Elijah after he burned the equipment and the oxen that he was just going under. In other words, the plow he was on, he said, I'm not going back. Doesn't matter if following Elijah is going to be hard. It doesn't matter if we're going to have some days where we aren't going to eat because we're just walking. Doesn't matter if Elijah wants to keep going and I said, I need five minutes. It doesn't matter if we're going to face persecution on the way of being a prophet because Jezebel actually put out a hit list on Elijah in that moment. So he was following a wanted man. He was following someone who basically they wanted their head, his head. So he was saying, regardless of what happens, whether the good or the bad, I'm not going back. I'm not making rooms for plan B. No plan B's with me. And so what we're going to do, as Drew goes into worship and as he's going to pray, um, I'm actually going to have my wife and Whitney, can you help? Um, and Pastor Nate. So what we're going to do, what I would love for you to do, I want you to take some time. If you need to be silent before God and ask him, God, who do you want me to become? 10 years from now. And don't think about accomplishments, don't think about the things you are gonna have. But who do you want me to become? I want you to write that down and be as specific as possible. As specific as possible. As specific. Maybe it's time you started having more comfort in Christ than you will have in your anger. Maybe it's time you start actually putting your life in his hands more than you do in other people's opinions. Maybe it's time you've made those decisions and you're gonna make that decision and have a vision of who you're supposed to become 10 years from now. And after you're done writing that, I'm gonna have myself, my wife, Whitney, and Pastor Nate, we're gonna stand up out here and when you're done writing, you don't have to show us what, we, what you wrote, but we would love to pray for you and solidify that before God. We're just gonna agree with you because we believe you will catch God's vision for your own life. And maybe for you, some of us here, you're gonna have to do a little bit like what I did 10 years ago, where I finally said yes to giving him my all. Maybe it's time for some of us to really give him 100. So that way, 10 years from now, we can see what he's going to do. And so I'm going to pray right now. And then you guys are released to just take your time and pray. 
and we'll be here standing, okay? All right, God, I just thank you so much. I thank you, God, because you want to take us from glory to glory. You don't want to take us from burnout to burnout. You don't want to take us from shame to shame, from disappointment to disappointment, God. You want to take us from glory to glory, from good things to greater. You want to take us forward. You don't want to hold us back. You don't want us to look to the left or to the right. You want us to keep moving ahead. And so, God, we look ahead. Ten years from now, God, who you want us to become? Our opinions, other people's opinions, they fall at your feet. And we ask you, show us. Show us who you want us to be. We want to be specific. So in order for us to be specific, God, we choose to be hungry. Help us. We know that you satisfy our hunger, so satisfy us tonight. Speak to us and show us a glimpse of who you want us to become. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you were blessed or encouraged by this message, we would love for you to leave a review and share this with three friends who may need the same encouragement. Also, if you'd like to stay connected with us, you can do so on Instagram using at InfluenceChurchOC and Facebook using InfluenceChurchOrangeCounty. Be sure to stay tuned for more messages in the future. Have a blessed day.